Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Monday, April the 29th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we recap the entire Dolphins draft class, thoughts on each pick, my favorite and least favorite picks for Miami, plus we start the competition on Josh Rosen versus Ryan Fitzpatrick, including a deep dive on the Josh Rosen character concerns, plus we'll lay out the undrafted free agents and who has the best shot to make the roster, and we'll close things up with the state of the franchise post-draft with a projected depth chart and long-term implications of this weekend. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tuned in, Google Play, however you get your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingful NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. The blog blew up this weekend. We had almost 50,000 page views over the weekend, so don't miss out on all the good content there. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, Every single team has one of these. Locked on, whoever, go ahead and check it out to get all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And we have a very, very busy show. Let's not waste any more time. That's another Miami Dolphins. And that's it. That is a wrap. The 2019 draft is in the books, and we now have a ton of new information to chew on throughout the course of this week on the podcast. Miami could potentially be players in phase two of free agency as one week after the draft, signings no longer count against the compensatory formula, but we have a new crop of players to talk about here first, so we'll get into that and push the free agency phase two back to a future podcast. If you missed the podcast from over the weekend, we went in depth on Christian Wilkins on Friday's show and Josh Rosen on Saturday's bonus episode. So go back and check those out. Let's go ahead and retrace those steps here a little bit first. Christian Wilkins, 13th pick in the draft, the Dolphins' new defensive tackle slash D-end who can play all over the defensive line, anywhere from the zero technique out wide to the seven technique at defensive end. He's aggressive, a one-gapping penetrator who wins with quickness. He is a backside run defensive phenom who can get in there and knife in and make tackles in the backfield, has tremendous bend and athleticism and flexibility, and he makes himself a very slippery object as a pass rusher because of those traits. And I know this is way too high of praise, But he does have a lot of Aaron Donald in that flexibility in his game, as well as the quick get-off. He can get stood up and pushed off the ball at times, and he will get fatigued, which makes him lose some of that motor and that juice in the pass rush. But in the way he works and the dedication he has to the craft, I am certain he'll find a way to continue to add nuance to his pass rush, which is already top-notch, by the way, and get himself into peak condition to make things happen for this team. Plus... How about that character? My goodness, the character on this guy. Check out the in-depth dive either on the Friday podcast or up on LockedOnDolphins.com or both, even better yet, for more details there. This kid is an exceptional individual and a fantastic football player. In round two, the Dolphins did not make a draft pick. They did acquire a 2020 second round draft pick from the New Orleans Saints, but they used the pick they traded back to acquire on Cardinals quarterback Josh Rosen, now in Miami. And Rosen... 
He was a tennis player in his high school days, and it's very evident from the way his feet operate in the pocket. He's choppy and quick in that way and can get himself aligned mechanically. He's very sharp mechanically as a quarterback for a 22-year-old. He can flat spin the football, man. It is impressive to watch him throw the ball, the drive, the touch, the finesse. He has all the pitches in the tool bag, and he knows when to go to them. I promise you guys, the beat writers are going to go nanners over the way he spins the ball at OTAs here in a couple of weeks, except for the ones that, well, the ones that refuse to change their opinions because we know how that goes, but he will look fantastic in shorts and shells. He moves the defense with his eyes, and he understands coverage and how to attack that coverage with certain route combinations, but he can get flat-footed in the pocket at times, and that's when the mistakes really begin to occur for him, and he doesn't always account for disguised coverages like backside robbers or guys peeling off of two-man route combinations, but he can improve that stuff, but that is who he was at UCLA and also who he was last year with the Arizona Cardinals. All the good can be undone in just a few snaps. You can play 20 great snaps and then have two bad ones and your entire game goes to waste. And we saw that time and time again with Ryan Tannehill. Right now, that's who Josh Rosen is as a player. But he's 22 years old. That can change. Michael Dieter, the third round draft pick, number 78 overall. He was a high school hockey player and he attributes his functional lower half strength and athleticism to his time playing hockey. He's the record holder at Wisconsin with 54 consecutive starts on the offensive line and those are pretty evenly distributed between left tackle, left guard, and center, though I would definitely keep him on the inside of your offensive line. He was the Big Ten lineman of the year last year, a second team All-American. He's very well coached, very fundamentally sound as those Wisconsin Badger offensive linemen always are. He uses his hands with great effectiveness. He has plus athleticism and a surprisingly strong anchor for a guy that moves like he does. And the best part, he really, really excels with combo blocks. As we all know, stunts have been a huge problem for this team for years and years and years. That is picking up the games, the stunts, the slants, the twists, but also in the running game, chipping initially and then climbing to the second level to go get your linebacker. He is your week one left guard, in my opinion. In the fifth round, they come back to Wisconsin and draft the linebacker, Andrew Van Ginkle, a wider D ball of energy. He's only 241 pounds and he plays like it, but he's not far off from that Kyle Van Noy build I've been talking about for months that this team has to find on this defense. He's a freaking playmaker, man, and he understands the principles of the defensive scheme. He doesn't just spot drop the way you'll see Kiko do and cover grass. He peeks at the route combination and puts himself in an ideal position. He's a terrific blitzer. He can buzz the flats and undercut routes. He did it in the Big Ten Championship game in 2017 and got himself a pick six, much like Jerome Baker's pick six against the Jets last year, and he can knife in as a backside run defender and cut plays down in the backfield. He doesn't like contact, and if he gets absorbed, it's over for him. But all things told, after watching the tape, this is my favorite pick in the draft. And the next guy, Isaiah Prince, the tackle from Ohio State, that was my least favorite pick in the draft. He's too top-heavy, doesn't cover a lot of ground quickly as he gets into his pass set, and he's not the most aggressive puncher in pass protection. I think, at best, this kid is a long-term swing tackle, the third tackle off the bench for your team. That's at best, in my opinion. The next pick in the seventh round, a fullback comes off the board from Auburn, Chandler Cox. And I admittedly don't know a lot about this guy 
other than the fact that Dolphins fans are currently going bonkers over his highlight reel, and rightfully so. He can straight up square some people up and knock the snot out of those defenders. But Ryan Smith of Pro Football Focus Miami shared this really cool tidbit with us. Cox played 284 snaps last year as a traditional fullback. 112 snaps at tight end. I imagine that's in-line Y tight end. 52 snaps at wide receiver, 48 of those in the slot, and 47 snaps at tailback with two at quarterback. I assume that was the Wildcat trigger man, but he is an intriguing option for an offense that needs a fullback because as we've talked about, the Patriots ran James Devlin 36% of their snaps last year. If we're doing the same thing as the Patriots, you gotta have a fullback. I imagine he'll get some competition in the UDFA or free agency portion, but the Dolphins still have not signed somebody else at that spot. So maybe for now, it's Chandler Cox full steam ahead. Then there's Miles Gaskin, the last pick of this draft, the torturer of all Washington State Coug fans out there. In four games against my Cougs, Gaskin went for 550 yards. This is a rivalry game, by the way, a huge game in the state of Washington. In those four games, 550 yards and 10 touchdowns. I put LOL in here because it's hilarious now looking back, but he rushed for 1,200 or more yards each of his four years at UW and scored 62 touchdowns in his college career. He's a patient zone runner with fantastic vision and acceleration through the hole. He's a tough runner too, going to get every yard possible out of every run. He's going to make this team. He's going to be the third running back on the roster and a special teams maven as well. It was a fun weekend acquiring new players, and now we've got an exciting offer to help you acquire some new talent on your own with ZipRecruiter. Employers know how challenging of a process hiring can be from exhaustive application reading, trying to find the right candidates. But now you can expedite that process with ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience to invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match like hopefully Josh Rosen matching with the Miami Dolphins. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Depending on which outlets you read, you'll see a pretty divisive set of opinions on the Dolphins' new quarterback. And I can't sit here and say that Josh Rosen is free of criticism, even from me for that matter, and even as early as three days ago here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And I still do have some hangups on Josh Rosen's game. But I think the main one we really need some discourse on is the character of Josh Rosen. Now, the stuff that I have personally divulged on the show here is all secondhand accounts, aside from one particular comment from Josh himself back at the Elite 11 passing camps, and those passing camps have the top college quarterbacks, they have pro quarterbacks, retired quarterbacks, and most of all, top high school prospects going into college. But Rosen, in an interview with Bucky Brooks, who runs the entire operation of the Move the Sticks podcast, 
that when he was in high school, he wasn't the most coachable player or the player that was most willing to absorb information from coaches. And that was connected to multiple reports. One of those from Jim Mora, his former coach at UCLA. And that is pretty concerning. And there's one from Matt Miller of Bleacher Report who, look, I don't like to sit here and criticize other media outlets, but just as we should do with some of the local Dolphins beat writers, I'd caution anyone to take Matt Miller reports with a itty-bitty grain of sand. But that report indicated that some NFL executives believed that Josh Rosen was a prick, his words, and that he was smarter than everybody else in the room. And that goes back to the Jim Mora story because the book on Rosen is that if you don't keep him engaged, if you can't explain why things are the way that they are, then he's going to check out because he's intelligent enough to process things beyond a drill sergeant mentality and he wants to understand why things are the way they are or why you're asking him to do things a certain way and how it will benefit him. He's just very cerebral that way. And that ties back into Miami, maybe not being too fond of Josh Rosen in last year's draft run-up, but with a lot of the same scouting staff on board, the exact same general manager, and an entirely different coaching staff, that tells me one thing. Adam Gaze did not want to work with Josh Rosen. Why? Well, that's the most simple answer ever, isn't it? Adam Gaze is the ultimate button pusher, and he's been described by Jeff Darlington of ESPN on this very podcast that nobody will hold a grudge the way Adam Gaze holds a grudge. And after hearing Jawan James, Danny Amendola, and Kenyon Drake, and so many others talk about their dubious future with the Miami Dolphins, if in fact Adam Gaze were retained on top of Indomitian Sue, Jarvis Landry, and the Jay Ajayi departures, isn't it safe to say that Adam Gaze doesn't want personality in his locker room, in his football team, in the meeting rooms, on the practice field? He wants a drone. And who was more drone-like than Ryan Tannehill? As much as I love the guy and think he's a great dude with great physical quarterback traits, my goodness, the guy was programmed as if he were the Tannabot 2.0 at times. So the coaching staff, which we all agree was not good, is gone now. Now we get these highly respected minds from New England. And before you say Chad O'Shea hasn't proven anything, which he hasn't, the Patriots did trust him with their red zone game planning. That is a huge task and a huge deal that you wouldn't just trust to any schmo on the street. So if they like him and they think they can get the best out of him, I think that's enough of a reason for optimism with Josh Rosen. And then there was the video that we all saw of Josh thanking the Cardinals and welcoming himself to Miami. I really do believe he's going to show at least some personal growth and work his ass off here. Will that be enough? Who knows? I have my doubt, but there is some hope. And real quick, let's go ahead and play the audio from that one minute clip that Josh Rosen posted to his own Twitter account. Here it is. Hey everyone, I uh, just wanted to say a couple things after everything that just happened. Uh, Cardinals fans, thank you so much for all of the continued support this past year. Uh, I know we didn't win as many games as we all would have hoped, but I had an unbelievable time in the desert. Um, fortunately, my time here is coming to an end, uh, but you guys are really getting a hell of a player in Kyler Murray. He's going to do great things for the Red Sea. Um, Kyler, I just want to congratulate you and your family on getting drafted. Uh, Arizona is a really special place, and you're going to love playing and living here. Uh, and to my teammates, staff, and everyone who worked at the facility, uh, I can't thank you enough for all the support and great memories you've created this past year. Um, I'm really wishing all of the Arizona Cardinals uh, the best of luck moving forwards. And uh, Miami, I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Uh, I'm ready to attack this new chapter in my life uh, and give you guys everything I have each and every day. Uh, my bags are packed and I'm on a flight first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, so get ready, South Florida, and go Fins. Um, and Kyler, up. one more thing, uh, an awesome two-bedroom 
uh, and Old Town just came onto the market, so let me know if you're interested. It's fins up, Josh. Started. It's fins up, not go Dolphins. And also, he dropped the each and every day in there. I love that because that has worked itself into the intro of the podcast. As all of you longtime listeners know, Ryan Tannehill, every single interview, would say each and every day, and that's how I got the idea for putting it into the podcast. And now it continues on because Josh Rosen is apparently an each and every day kind of guy. And let's go back into this discussion here and talk about this trade and this move. And while I still don't like giving up that second round draft pick, the value of Rosen's deal is pretty ridiculous. Rosen makes less over three years cumulatively than Chase Daniel's going to make for the Bears this year alone and what Colt McCoy is going to make in Washington also this year alone. And you have Ryan Fitzpatrick in your back pocket making more money than Josh Rosen. The way Fitzpatrick works in this roster now, in my opinion, is he becomes a cheap backup this year, a cheap backup next year as well, or you can just outright cut him and it's going to cost you $1.5 million to do that next year. And coming up in the final segment of this show, we're going to lay out the depth chart with projected starters. And I'll tell you this right now. I'd be blown away surprised if Ryan Fitzpatrick starts on opening day for this Dolphins team. I just don't see what it accomplishes as Chris Greer made his feelings known about the process over the weekend in a press conference where he said, quote, we aren't where we want to be ultimately, but we're happy with where we are right now, end quote. So they don't have this grand delusion that they're going to knock down the door of the AFC East throne and take away the Patriots division title and capture this magical playoff run. They're aware, just as all of we are, that this is a process. And so with that thinking, give me one good reason why Ryan Fitzpatrick should start this season. There really isn't one, and you need every imaginable rep for Josh Rosen to demonstrate his growth this year to enter the draft class next year with an answer on what Josh Rosen is. And I do think that Fitzpatrick offers you a really quality mentor role for Josh Rosen, someone who trusts his eyes the way that Josh Rosen does and can compartmentalize the fine details of the game. You go back to the video I shared on Twitter on Sunday of Aaron Rodgers training with and teaching Josh Rosen some little things. And there's this really clear mind meld about the fine details of the game and ways to improve their game, but also their practice habits to put them in better positions going forward. I strongly recommend checking that out as Josh Rosen is very, very into what Aaron Rodgers has to say, which is also brilliant in its own right. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick from the cerebral aspect of the quarterback position can offer those same things. So, This is Josh Rosen's team for now, for better or worse, but I think that should clear up the thinking behind this entire thing and who your starting quarterback is going to be on opening day 2019 when the Dolphins kick off against the Baltimore Ravens on September 8th at Hard Rock Stadium. And with that, I am going to project the other 21 starters on the other side of the podcast and get you guys caught up on this undrafted free agent class as well. That's next, Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Another opportunity for me to say thank you to all the loyal listeners and welcome in the first-time listeners of the podcast, as well as all of you that checked out LockedOnDolphins.com over the weekend. We shattered records for page views and podcast downloads. It was a hell of a time, and I couldn't have had more fun doing it and bringing you guys that information. And one of the pieces I wrote was immediately after the draft closed, and I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle. 
but I think it's very valuable in terms of how this team views things long term and where this team is for right now and for the future. And of course, I put hyperlinks in there for all the film study and college football player profiles from the players the Dolphins just drafted. It's up on LockedOnDolphins.com. It's called State of the Dolphins Post Draft. And it goes over this idea of Stephen Ross going to the podium on January 31st and firing Adam Gaze and quote-unquote reassigning, as I use air quotes, Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager or football operations, whatever the hell his title was, he gets reassigned. And they talked about developing this process to create a sustained winner that can get to the playoffs year in and year out, not make a pop-up appearance every two presidential terms. And that's part of this Josh Rosen plan. The chance to evaluate a quarterback and throw a iron in the fire as far as giving yourself an opportunity to see what he can do before this draft class in 2020 that really is expected to take the league by storm and give you multiple starters and possibly a generational talent into a Tonga Vailoa. And the Dolphins in no way prohibited themselves from getting in position to make a move like that up the draft board next year because they went out and got that 2020 second round draft pick and now they sit with 11 draft picks, their own one first pick in the first round, two picks in the second round, two picks in the third round, two picks in the fourth round. They're back to one pick in the fifth round after trading for Josh Rosen. They've got one pick in the sixth round and two picks in the seventh round for the Jordan Lucas trade last year. I think their focus is going to be on that draft, really rebuilding this roster the right way continue to put young pieces on the roster, but also going back this summer and paying their own guys because they're going to have a ton of cash, flushed with cash in the 2020 offseason, and they will have some spots they can go ahead and buy some pieces, like maybe on the offensive line. Maybe you do go find your pass rusher that way, although those two spots can be very expensive, but I expect them to continue to conservatively round out the roster, but also give money to the guys that have earned it in-house, like Xavier Howard, who I expect to come to training camp with a new contract, like Laramie Tunzel, who basically has two more years of club control, but you maybe do some good graces by Tunzel and you pay him after this season. Kenyon Drake and Jakeem Grant are both due after the season, but if you sign them right now, you can probably get team-friendly deals because they will be grateful for the early approach and not having to play out a contract year. And then after that, you have Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor, the pair of impressive 2017 defensive tackles from the fifth and sixth round, respectively. They're up in two years, so maybe next summer they can get deals as well. The Dolphins are going to be active, spending that money, using those draft picks. But let's talk about where they are in 2019, after the draft, after free agency, after the AAF pillaging they did, bringing over all those players from the defunct AAF. And let's go ahead and look at this death chart. It's up on LockedOnDolphins.com in this article. And we start, we'll go with the starters first. At quarterback, I think Josh Rosen's your guy. Kenyon Drake, your running back. Chandler Cox, the fullback. I've got Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, and Jakeem Grant as the three starting receivers with Dwayne Allen, the number one tight end, and Mike Kosicki backing him up. And then we have Laramie Tunzel, Michael Dieter, Daniel Kilgore, Chris Reed, and Jesse Davis kicks out to right tackle where I think he's a better player than he was inside as a guard. On the defensive side of the football, I went with a 3-3 base look because you have five defensive backs on the field basically at all times in this league. Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, and Vincent Taylor up front. You've got Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan, and Kiko Alonso starting the linebacker spots. Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Rashad Jones. And you've got some quality depth at some of those spots. 
This year is going to be all about development and finding out some of these guys. Are they going to be gems? Are they going to be long-term special teamers? Are they going to be depth on our roster? There's an opportunity for lots of guys to make headwaves on the roster this year, including this new crop of rookies like Andrew Van Ginkle, like Miles Gaskin, or like last year with Torrey McTire or with Jalen Davis, Cornell Armstrong, Cordrea Tankersley. You have the signings from this year like Tank Carradine, who could maybe raise his value a little bit. Now, there are still some significant holes on the offensive line, on the defensive line, and probably in the secondary as well that I would have liked to have seen addressed a little more aggressively. But we have to accept that this was not going to happen overnight with all these needs on the roster. It's a two, maybe three-year process. And the Dolphins put themselves in position to really make headwaves next year, kind of like a lot of these teams do with their second-year quarterbacks, though Josh Rosen would be a third-year quarterback at that time. We saw the Jets go crazy for Sam Donald this year and surround him with parts. The Bills did it with Josh Allen. The Bears did it last year with Mitch Trubisky. The Rams did it two years ago with Jared Goff. This is the thing that teams do. And Miami if they find the answer in Josh Rosen, can go crazy next year and really build this thing out through free agency and through the draft and get a competent roster with hopefully a competent 23-year-old quarterback and be ready to take over the throne of the AFC East as Tom Brady approaches age 45. That's the vision. That's the thinking. If it doesn't work for Rosen, no big deal. They can come back next year and find the quarterback there and still be in pretty good shape everywhere else to add pieces to the roster and fill out those holes and get things buttoned up and hopefully, finally, maybe give Steven Ross his long-term sustained playoff team that he's been wanting. Let's go ahead and go through this list of undrafted free agents here before we duck out on the podcast. The Dolphins have signed several of them as we expected they would. Linebacker Terrell Hanks out of New Mexico State. Defensive end Jonathan Ledbetter from Georgia. Wide receivers Trenton, Trenton Irwin from Stanford and wide receiver Preston Williams from Colorado State. Cornerback Montre Hardage from Northwestern. Offensive lineman Ryan Anderson from Wake Forest. Cornerback Nick Needham from UTEP. Offensive guard Dion Shaq Calhoun from Mississippi State. Offensive lineman Aaron Montiero from Boston College. Long snapper Wes Farnsworth from Nevada. Free safety Rob Roll from Villanova. Linebacker Trey Watson from Maryland. Cornerback Tyler Horton from Boise State. And punter Stone Wilson from FAU. And this group of players on the offensive line, it shows me their commitment to the prototype because all of these guys are 6'5", 6'6", or bigger, and they're all nasty mauler types. And I think that lends credence into the type of team this Dolphins team wants to be under Brian Flores and under Chris Greer in this new direction. I think they're going to probably focus more on the defensive side of the football next year because they're a little bit lacking on that end and of course on offense too. But they have these developmental parts on the offensive line to establish a strong running game, make your quarterback a play action type of quarterback who can give you big time throws when you need it and then wear teams down with a good defense and melt them with a strong running game in South Florida. That's how I assume they're going to approach this. As far as that list of UDFAs, right now it's premature, but I've got four guys making the roster. They are defensive end Jonathan Ledbetter from Georgia. He's a five-technique type that this team is very severely lacking. A lot of people thought he might be a late day two, early day three draft pick. He goes undrafted, winds up in Miami. Linebacker Terrell Hanks, he's a sub-package linebacker with tons of speed. He can run, he can hit, he can cover. He did run poorly at the Combine and his Pro Day because he had an injury, and that's why he went undrafted because his game is all about speed. 
Wide receiver Preston Williams from Colorado State is a very intriguing name. He was a five-star high school recruit with tremendous upside length and speed and the ability to separate and pluck catches out of the air and just dominate on the highlight tape. But he did have a domestic violence case a couple of years prior to that out of high school, which cost him all of his big-time college scholarship offers that he had. And that's interesting in itself because this team we thought was maybe going to kind of shy away from that type of a player. But Preston Williams has repaired his image the last couple of years, and you hope he can do that going forward. He has a great chance here in Miami. And lastly, linebacker Trey Watson from Maryland. He's a player a lot of people liked. He's got a shot to make the roster as well. Those are my four preliminary UDFAs that make the team. And maybe Stone Wilson, the punter from FAU, just because I think that Matt Hawk is too inconsistent for my taste. All right, that's going to be my time today. It's a busy, busy week here on the podcast and the website. I've still got a lot of film reviews to do on Miles Gaskin, on Chandler Cox, and Isaiah Prince. I also want to get more details on the UDFAs. We'll have that on the podcast and site later this week, as well as a guest spot from the host of Locked On Badgers to discuss both Dieter and Van Ginkle. Kevin Dern is going to write his own State of the Franchise piece. We'll get him on the podcast for that. And the Josh Rosen charting project is coming down the pipe, as well as an Albert Wilson charting project. The offseason may be coming to a halt, but here on Locked On Dolphins, we are just getting started. And now it's the time of the podcast where I remind you, if you have a smart speaker, you can pull up the Locked On Dolphins podcast right away. Just say, play Locked On Dolphins podcast for your daily dose. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Tuesday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.